In 2020, Democrats took full control of Washington. And it will give Democrats control of the Senate. Joe Biden has been elected. But Republicans stood up in the states. There was no blue wave. Democratic down-ballot disasters carried all the way to the state legislatures. Now, we're the last line of defense against the Democrats' socialist agenda. The ways we're fighting back are bigger than you think. And welcome and thanks for tuning in to It's Bigger Than You Think, a conversation about the politics that most impact our daily lives. This is episode 30, and I'm your host, Annie Moore. Joining me today is John Velez. He's the Republican candidate for Oregon State Senate District 13. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me here. All right. So to start things off, let's, you know, start with your story, because I think it's super interesting and truly I think, anyways, it epitomizes the the American dream. Um, you grew up in Puerto Rico, right? Can you talk about what that was like? Absolutely. So uh, let me first start in by saying thank you very much for allowing me to be on your platform. Um, also, uh, Senate District 13 covers Wilsonville, Sherwood, King City, and Tiger. Um, just to tell you a little bit about myself, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. I grew up in kind of in the middle of the island. It's the name of the the town is called Utuado. And I grew up there until I was 11, 11 years old uh, before my mother sent me to uh, live with my sister in a military base in Fort Brack, North Carolina. Uh, it was very hard. Uh, we all had to pitch in to bring food on, my t- on, uh, on the table. And uh, I started actually working since I was eight years old, uh, shining shoes at the local square, uh, just to help out the family because there was 11 of us. And uh, just one mother, because my dad passed away uh, just before the last one was born. So you said you immigrated to the states to North Carolina when you were eleven. What was that like? It was a uh, it was a major culture shock. I did not know how to speak English. I did not know uh, you know the the surrounding about, about the area that I, that I moved in. Uh, it was very um, straight and forward. Uh, things were, you know, has to be very uh, precise. So um, when I started school over there, I, like I said, I did not know how to speak English and there was no uh, other kids that spoke Spanish. And so it was, it was even harder for me. So yeah, it was that's, a major that's, culture shock. That's wild. I had another guest on, um, she's a candidate in Georgia. She was a refugee from Iran and she had to learn English when she was like, I think in her thirties or something like that. Um, And she said the same thing that the culture shock was just insane. So I can only imagine when nobody else speaks the language that you speak, trying, especially as a little kid, right? Yes, yes. I did pick it up pretty quickly. It took me about six months to nine months. Uh, I'm actually fortunate that I ended up to a place where uh, everything was orderly and uh, there was no ESL, English as a second language. So that even actually helped me Uh, catch up a lot sooner. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, So how did you end up in Oregon where you're now running for elected office? Um, After I left North Carolina, I moved to New York City when I was, uh, I think, in the uh, 16 years old. And so I I graduated from high school in North Carolina. And then after that, I went to work for the airlines. I worked for American Airlines, uh, where I had a uh, a flight to go to South America with a stopover in Puerto Rico. Um, the flight was canceled in Puerto Rico and my spouse was in Puerto Rico vacationing. And so when my flight canceled, I just went out and around uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico and 
And that's how I met him. I met him on the streets over there while he was vacationing. So he looked a little lost. And I asked him, um, you don't look like you're from here. Do you need help? And so uh, he actually said, actually, I do need help. I don't know where I'm going. I was hoping to go to this place here, but it's closed due to a, I think they were picketing about something politically. And so I just want to help him out. And, and basically, I, I stop a taxi cab and ask him, hey, uh, this person wants to go somewhere to have lunch. Uh, do you know any place that will be open during this chaos going on? And so so he invited me to go with him. <laughs> so I met him uh, that way, and we ended up uh, hanging out for the weekend in Puerto Rico. And then I had to go back to New York to continue my work. And so he's originally from Oregon. This is how I ended up in Oregon because we, we follow up and stay in touch. And uh, it's been 32 years we've been together. Wow. That's crazy. So you moved from New York to Oregon because that's where he's from. And you met him in Puerto Rico. Yes. What are the odds? Yeah. I know. Crazy. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, that's that's super cool. So what made you kind of fall in love with Oregon? Honestly, I was not sure what I was expecting. I lived in New York City uh, for 12 years and I was just getting tired. I was working two jobs to uh, maintain uh, my expenses. And after I moved into New York and got a job, I actually uh, was able to move my mom and my sister uh, to move in with me in New York. And so I was working two jobs basically full time in order to you know, uh, be the man in the house and, and pay for the bills and, and supporting them while I was also working. So I saw an opportunity uh, going to, to Oregon would be a place where I could really go to college. Uh, I couldn't have done that in New York City because I was working two jobs. So mm-hmm. I saw that opportunity. And, and so I, we moved to New York. We bought a car in New York and we drove all the way from New York City to uh, a place that is called Myrtle Creek here in Oregon, which is in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it was a, another culture shock for me. Yeah, I bet. Middle of nowhere is very different from New York City where people are stacked on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so did you go to school in Oregon? How did you decide that you wanted to run for office? Um, after I arrived to Oregon, I went, I started college here. I went to Encore Community College uh, while he was finishing uh, college in University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Then after he finished there, we moved to uh, what we call the Bay Area here in Oregon, which is Coos Bay, another place that is really tiny in the middle of nowhere. At least it was on the coast. So that was good. Um, then after that, we moved to Oregon where I started a business. Uh, uh, basically, it was a construction business. Um, when I came here, there was little to no crime. There was no homeless. So I was really excited about that. And so now, nowadays in the past, I would say before the pandemic, things were getting bad. And so I remember how beautiful this area was and how little crime we had. And I don't remember having seen any homeless before. So all this homelessness, the crime, it, it just got me really going. The last thing that made me really upset is how a governor and also how how our legislatures that Oregon has been controlled for over 30 years uh, just pushed down our throat tolls, tolling our freeways when they're already being paid. They're already being, you know, you know, we didn't have a say. We just... Uh, 
We just woke up the next day and say, hey, uh, you guys are getting tolls. Normally here in Oregon, you vote for things like that. We didn't have a choice. We didn't get to vote. And it, it got me really angry the way they, they went about it. Uh, paying for tolls is something that I don't mind paying for a toll if you get something out of it. You know, if you pay, go on express lane to get from, let's say from Wilsonville to Portland, and it gets to the express lane and you get there, but just pay an $8 toll just to sit in traffic is ridiculous. And so I don't want to stand for that. Yeah, I can see your signs behind you. No tolls on our freeways. <laughs> Fired yeah. up about that. Um, so you run a contracting business. Can you discuss how Democrats in Oregon have made life harder for small businesses and how your experience as a small business owner is going to shape your decision making as an elected official? Like I said, the one party leaders here in Oregon for the past 30 years, they push for a corporate activity tax, which we call it the cat tax. Then cat tax have pushed so many businesses out of, I mean, have pushed so many businesses out of business. Uh, several of them are pharmaceutical companies like uh, Rite Aid, uh, several other ones. People are moving their businesses out of this area, out of Oregon because of that. They could not compete anymore. So it was more expensive for them to do business. And, you know, everything that a governor or, you know, the legislature passed to a business, the business always going to pass that on to consumers. So it's making it was making things even more expensive. So uh that got me pretty upset about that and and so it is actually still active and it's still moving business out of oregon wow another issue that you mentioned was how when you first moved there there wasn't a ton of there was virtually no crime there were, you had never seen almost person in the area before what do you think that oregon dems have done wrong on crime and what would you do differently if you were to be elected in november so what happened is um, Oregon, the, the, the Oregon people passed a bill legalizing uh, uh, marijuana, like the taxes on that was going to go to support and help people with mental health and drug addiction, but that did not happen. They just pushed that, uh, it's called the uh, Bill 110, which legalized hard drugs, marijuana, and basically it's now a vacuum for everyone who wants to do drugs from all over the United States to come here because it's not a crime. It is being decriminalized. The next person that's running for governor, Tina Kotex, she also voted to um, uh, public camping. So that now, now when you go and see all this uh, homeless tents everywhere, it, it's legal now. And that's because of the party we have for so many years in power. What would you say to someone that says, Oregon's a blue state, Republicans can't win here? What, what would you say to that? I think even Democrats are pretty upset about what's happening. It's just gotten so bad. Every day is getting worse. And even Democrats don't like what they see. So I'm sure a lot of people are, even Democrats are going to vote to whatever it takes to handle drugs, handle homelessness, and also to you know, take Oregon back the way it used to be. So that's, I've done, I have knocked on thousands and thousands of doors, specifically on Democrat doors and non-affiliated doors. And mm -hmm. I introduce myself and I let them know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And they say, you know what? I never voted for a Republican, but this year I'm going to vote for a Republican and I would definitely vote for you. Love that. Um, 
So you're Puerto Rican. Many people think that those who have a Hispanic background should be Democrats and they should vote for Democrats. What's your response to that? Well, I was a Democrat before and thanks to Obama, I was able to marry my uh, spouse of 30 years, 32 mm -hmm. years. I think, you know, both parties have good ideas. We just need to get rid of the extremists and the radical policies that, uh, you know, the Democrats are imposing on us. I think what happened is I feel that they went so back out to the left that they forgot the, you know, the Hispanic community, the Hispanic vote. And, and we truly don't believe in a lot of things that they're doing. A lot of Hispanic people are learning, hey, I don't think that was the right choice. I don't think the Democrat Party is for me anymore because what they have done to our communities. And, you know, they always promise us that they would do better for us and they never do. So why are you yourself a Republican now and running as a Republican? Well, um, I actually been a Republican for a long time, too. I'm a Republican uh, because I own a business. I have owned a business for a long time. And so when you see your, your business taxes, your, your income taxes and, and your property taxes uh, not being used properly and wasted, it just make me, you know, uh, really upset the way the Democrats are, are handling uh, our tax revenue. 20% on our tax revenue is being wasted. That is in the billions of dollars. And, and now they want to put these tolls that is going to call billions of dollars just to sit in traffic. It's, it's insane. Okay, so what would you tell other Hispanic Republicans who thought about running for office but haven't necessarily taken that leap yet? I jump into this because I was upset. I wanted to make a change. I think um, do some research about how, um, you know, what to do when you run for office because I did not know that my district was 13% more Democrat registers than Republicans. So now that actually make me work even harder because I need to communicate to the Democrat, communicate to the non-affiliated and trying to tip the balance to my side because uh, I'm hoping that the Republicans will vote for me. But right now my concentration is on the Democrats and, non and, and also the non-affiliated. I want them to hear my story. I want them to hear what I'm bringing on the table so that they can say, yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. I'll vote for you. So I would recommend for any Hispanic that is running for office, uh, especially as a Republican, to find out more about what has been happening in their district uh, in the past five, 10, maybe 20 years that ha has changed to the worse. Why it's not getting better. And also find out you know, who is uh, who's representing that district right now, what they have voted for that is causing the problem that we that they're, you know, experiencing there. And then just run on that, find out what the problem is and, and you know, go for it. Never give up. And, you know, once you start, you need to finish it. That's great advice. OK, this is my last question for you. Uh, what's been a challenge that you've had to overcome while running for office? The biggest challenge for me was to uh, talk to large groups. I was a little bit uh, nervous in the beginning. I did not have a really story about telling people. I was afraid about telling my story 
because I didn't know what people would think about me. It was something that I did not say for a long time until I started running for politics. And people say, well, actually, you know, you should talk about your life. You should talk about what you went through. You should talk about how you met your spouse because that those stories are very important and, and people don't know until they hear it. So now I feel that, you know, let them pe let people know what I'm stand for, where I came from. They understand that, you know, I'm running for office uh, because of the things that I experienced when I was a kid also. And so it is important people think because I'm a business owner that I'm privileged or I, I, I was lucky or that I came from, from a wealthy family, but it's not the case. Yeah, you've lived the American dream, you know, immigrated to the United States, started your own business, running for office now. Uh, I hope that you win in November. Exciting things ahead. Me too. I'll do everything I can. I'll be knocking on doors uh, every day from 9.30 usually to uh, 5 o'clock at night and uh, seven days a week. Sometimes I take a day off if it's my spouse's birthday or one of my kids or family member, and then we just have fun. Uh, my spouse and I, uh, when we came here, we raised a kid when he was nine months old, and uh, he's 28 years old now, and he's an incredible incredible business owner and uh he's he's awesome I, i'm yeah. so glad and blessed that he gave us the opportunity to be parents i love that all right john do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today um what i'm asking if this is uh broadcast uh if this is um somehow uh in our district i just want uh people to i'm asking for the vote because if they don't feel that nothing has changed and we better off uh if we're not if we were better off last year or four years ago um then you know maybe it was a good idea but if they don't feel that nothing has changed and we're getting worse I, I, i'm asking them for the vote so that we can have some change in our district awesome Thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you're listening on. And always remember, state politics have implications that are bigger than you think.